Welcome back, dear listeners. It's wonderful to have you folks back listening to my story about Jesus Baboon. Story so far, in case you're tuning in now, uh, Kuyati is a poor Maasai herd boy. He gets banned from his village uh, because he has uh, some disturbing tendencies. And uh, he goes to the big city, Dar es Salaam, where he soon lands in jail, first for the first time, and then when he goes back, it's for murder. He's on death row. But he's really lucky because of his prodigious carving talent, he is given a workshop, all for the prestige of the prison head, of course, uh, so that he can put uh, Koyati's artwork in is basically private little gallery. Well, Kuyati has managed to make friends, uh, probably because he looks completely harmless, and the other reason is he had a reputation that he was completely crazy and that he committed a mass murder to <coughs> obtain money for brass to cast his, uh, his images, his, his sculpting, which was, of course, complete nonsense. Koyati wouldn't recognize a brass casting operation if he'd bit him. But he, he made friends with a bunch of prisoners. Let me tell you about them real quick. The undisputed head and chief and boss is a guy called Sparrow, He's a scrawny little thing, but he's real quick with a blade, and he just brooks absolutely no contradiction, uh, mostly because he's twice as intelligent as his minions. And then Sparrow's people consist of a gang called the Gazelles. They had gazelle horns tattooed around their necks, uh, except one go guy who's the warthog because he... It's like a pig. His, his uh, prison slop runs down his chin most of the time, and the rest he swallows kind of whole. But be that as it may, Sparrow was an educator. He liked to teach the, the prisoner stuff. Uh, so he says to Koyati, as, as the latter tells him breathlessly about his new workshop, he said, it's your inner sanctum. He talked real dirty to Coyote there. What's that? Coyote asks. Sparrow says it means holy of holies. Everybody just look uh, at Sparrow with a blank stare. So Sparrow delivers the information about what an inner sanctum is uh, in the format of a coloring book for five-year-olds. He says, many thousands of years ago, the Israelites built a huge temple where they could worship the high God. We nodded. Most of us didn't know who Israelites were, but we knew a temple and we knew Mungu, the high God. The temple was a holy place, you know, like a church. I was still on board. I think Dürer made woodcuts showing the temple standing there among the ancient buildings of Madagascar. Uh, Koyati believed that the world had begun in Madagascar and that uh, Jerusalem was, in fact, in Madagascar. That's because his uncle, where he briefly lived, had a coffee table book about Madagascar with old buildings in. So that was it. 
and the old buildings kind of reminded them of Dürer's carvings, which he know very well from a book that uh, brother had lent him. Inside that holy place, says Pharaoh, there's one room that was even holier than the rest of the temple. How holy was it, someone asked. Sparrow had been counting on the question. Sparrow says, it was almost like when somebody has Ebola and they put him in a special room in the hospital. That's how holy it was. Only one priest could go in there and he had to wear sterile clothes and a shower cap and cotton covers over his shoes. I was probably the only inmate on the dinner benches who knew what the temple looked like, the oldest building in Madagascar. Sparrow said, get it? The holiest room inside the holiest building in Jerusalem, the holiest city, which is in the Holy Land. There were several low whistles that had to be pretty damn holy. I said, like my little wood carving workshop inside the big work, work, wood carving workshop. That was exactly what he was trying to say. As the inmates' mouths dropped open in understanding, Sparrow bossed in the rewards of such a successful education project. He tells Koyati, so inner sanctum means the holiest of the holy place for Koyati where the trickster can carve a whole lot of wooden spoons to sell by the roadside, teasing Koyati about his art. But Koyati was deeply impressed. He he mouthed the words Inner Sanctum, the secret name of his own wood carving workshop, the holiest place in his life, apart from maybe the mountain spring near my village. But that one is now mostly in my head, he says. Chapter 4 in Jesus Baboon is about how the prisoners with the unbelievable amount of spare time they have, empty time, figure out that there's a conspiracy going on. And they discuss at length. Every, every item they discuss is examined from five or six points of view, uh, with Sparrow acting as the facilitator, the chairman. And uh, the gazelles specialize in intelligence. They're they not as dumb as one thinks they are, uh, even though they're only half as smart as Sparrow. But their game is to gather intelligence when on the outside for other gangs who do the actual stealing. So they have nephews and cousins and people inside government organization and businesses who gets the information together. So they can kind of put two and two together. And they have found out that Koyati's advocate, the chief advocate, the, uh, the big fat guy, is handling three or four pro bono cases at the same time. What he, he takes his junior partners and assistants, put them on the case as assistants, uh, and charges his own fee for the pro bono work. What is more is his own fee 
is about three times what the pro bono fee is, but he's got pals on the inside, like uh, State Attorney Chiboy and and so on. Uh, Zaidi is a mean so-and-so, but he's not so corrupt. But then one wonders why how he could afford a diamond-encrusted bevel for the watch that he he gave his daughter for 21st birthday, the one that Kuyati stole, by the way, which was the final straw in, in Zaidi's hatred for Kuyati. So they find, find out that uh, Naidu, Advocate Naidu, LLD, is double-dipping big time. In fact, he's going to be on a case up in the north at Arusha at the same time that he's supposed to be defending Kuyati down in, in Dar. So uh, they also know Janet, who works at the big hospital's emergency room and who is Isidora's flatmate. So they get valuable information from her about how Isidora was first in a class in law school and so on. Then they start talking about the fact that the a little conspiracy of uh, Chiboy and uh, Naidu and Zaidi are also political figures and they are the ones working to try and get the death penalty reinstated. And they think that if they can get Kuyati executed real quickly that the death penalty will be proven because Kuyati is such a miserable creature. What's more is that a delegation from the East African community uh, law uh, body are in town to monitor a few cases and specifically Kuyati's case to uh, to to keep up to date with the movement that's afoot to bring the death penalty back. And of course, the the conspiracy want to use their presence to prove that some prisoners are so bad that the only way to deal with them is the death penalty. They also want to prove the old deterrence argument in the death penalty debate. At the end of the conversation, they make jokes about how Kuyati is get, going to get hanged or put in the electric chair or drowned or whatever they're going to do to him. They think it's hilarious, but Kuyati is getting just a little bit anxious. And he concludes like this. He says, well, all these discussions, it's a way to fill the empty hours. It's a way to make sense of the world. It's a way to not go insane. We move on to chapter 5, The Apprentices. Kuyati says to Miss Heron. Miss Heron, last week, two inmates convinced the guards to let them speak to the prison head. That in itself was a miracle. Then, once in his office, they convicted the prison head that they were my best friends, blood brothers practically. Excuse me, they convinced the prison head, not convicted him. Not only that, they were also renowned artists. 
but they only lacked the wood carving skills. My apprentices, says Coyote, they said they could contribute greatly to the fame of City Central as a worldwide center of the wood carving art. The prison head was on, on a phone call to the Minister of Justice, so, so he waved to the guard to bring them to me. I had never heard of them. Prisons are full of con artists, and these two. They weren't, it wasn't that they were such bad people, it was just that their cell bully was so bad that it, it was do something or die. Almost the same situa situation Coyote was in with his barbarian, his own bully in his two-man cell. They practically kissed the floor. They told Coyote that their brute was worse than, than his. They knocked respectfully at the door of the paint closet, says Coyote, and told me their story that they had heard that I was a sculptor who had robbed several banks to get money for bronze. The story went that I was so obsessed with my art that I killed four bank managers. And obviously, they uh, promised to be on their best behavior. So now Kuyati has two apprentices that he is fully expected to train to create art with their wood carving. Kuyati knew nothing about training and nothing about teaching anything. So this was a great uh, tension in his life. He, he was actually scared of this situation. But we'll see how he dealt with it. And I think he dealt with it pretty well. See you next time. <laughs>